Okay, team, let's put our phones away, put our devices away. Let's not be distracted as we discuss the book of Acts. Um, I had a fun experience this morning with my freshman and sophomore class. They're the international students um, and uh, the transfers. And we're, it's a class called Intro to Biblical Studies, Philosophy, Theology, and Worldview. So I'm give, I've given them the text and the workbook for this class, but we have all year. And we just like have tons of time to ask questions and work our way through it. And it's been fun because a lot of them are definitely not from this culture. <laughs> um, and I've been having them read the Bible and they have awesome questions. It's been really fun to be part of the journey with them. Uh, but today I got to give them this as a gift. Uh, has anybody seen it? Yeah. yeah, it's called the Action Bible. Maybe you've read it. If you haven't, it's legit. It's a real deal. Um, the guy, Sergio Carrillo, I think, works for Marvel and DC Comics. Like, So he's a real comic guy. Um, but it was fun to see their faces to go from just lots of little small words on a page to action and color. But part of what I was doing is I talked to them today about C.S. Lewis and how Tolkien and Lewis had that conversation that one night. And, and Tolkien's like, no, Lewis, I get that you see the Bible as fantasy. I get that you see it as myth. That's because it is. It is myth. It is fantasy. It's just what? The true one. It's the one that we're in. Part of why I love this Bible is it gets us back to that fantasy feel, that exciting action of the Bible, that <coughs> Jesus looks like a superhero in here because he what? He is one. <laughs> it's super cool. And then the disciples in here do crazy stuff. And then you're left thinking, oh, that was just 2,000 years ago, though. Or what? Yeah, if we, ha if we can get an appropriate worldview back, what I'm calling it a Christ-centered, in the myth, in the true myth worldview, if we can get that back, maybe we can start reviving what really happened then to really happen when? Now. now. Right? And wouldn't that be cool? It'd be crazy. A lot of crazy stuff happens in here. But wouldn't it be cool for us to live out our true identity as sons and daughters of the king of the universe? Our true identity of having Jesus as our older brother? Our true identity as spirit-filled worshipers and world changers with the power of God fighting darkness? Wouldn't that be, just be so cool? It's really exciting. Instead of walking out of Star Wars thinking, oh man, that's so cool, the Force is really cool, you walk out of Star Wars thinking, man, how can I do cool things like that with the power of Christ in me? Right? We're not going to the movie theaters as escapism or wishing that, that we could be in Harry Potter or be in Star Wars or be in Lord of the Rings, hanging out with a Gandalf. When you go back to your youth group, there's a Gandalf at your youth group <coughs> who does that kind of stuff. Right? Be sweet. When we walk out of the next Bible movie that one of you might make, and you walk out totally inspired, and there's people going, oh, I never knew the Bible was an actual fantasy. 
And the other people are walking out going, yeah, bring it. That's what happened yesterday at church and at the hospital and at youth group, right? So that's uh, my devotional thought for the day. And uh, even a challenge per se is how do we, how do we step into that world view? People have called it a biblical worldview. I think that's fine. I prefer the Christ-centered worldview because Christ is bigger than the Bible. And if we just go with the biblical worldview, I think we're limiting ourselves to the fact that we're supposed to have been continuing to write, not literally, but to write those stories, to live them out. It wasn't supposed to stop. It wasn't just for back then. Let me pray. Lord, thanks. Thanks for this opportunity to do a class on worldview at a Christian school. And for some of us, maybe for the first time, to really step into a biblical Christ-centered worldview, even though we've been believing it for 10 years, 15 years, <coughs> one year. Maybe we don't even believe it. And now we get our official invitation to actually step into it if we want to. Uh, continue to guide our understanding through the book of Acts and bless us as we look at the spiritual realm and testing the spirits. Thank you for your grace and your love and for this powerful invitation to live out who we truly are in you. In your name, Jesus, amen. Any questions from yesterday? I came on strong, on purpose. Any carryover? Okay, if you want, you can grab one of those Bibles in front of you or pull out your Bible. We can continue to look at a few things. And we've got the time, so we're going to chip away at some of these other ones, especially since we, we missed a bunch on here. Uh, where were we? I think with Stephen. Did we look at Stephen? Yeah. yeah. Did we talk about Paul getting lowered by a basket? No. Yeah, so number 12, people wanted to murder Paul. So they lower him in a basket? What the heck? It's just so weird. <laughs> kind of cool, but weird. Like that that feels like a that feels like a Agatha Christie story or something. Um, why did I put that one in here? I just gave you this three minute let's go, right? Well, if we all start living this way, what could happen? What was that? Yeah, we might need to get out of the school in a basket or something. Like people <laughs> may want to kill us, right? If we Academy became the Christian high school on the planet, although there's probably some other places around the world, but I wonder how many in North America filled with authentic disciples while they're in high school, walking around, praying for healing, supernaturally feeding the poor, signs and wonders and miracles happening, outpouring of the Holy Spirit at, at high school. That'd be cool, like your senior class could do this by the end of the year. Start that whole thing. Be the, be the class that creates a whole new frame of mind for what it means to be a Christian high school. You're pretty sweet. Yeah, I think you guys could do it. But what might happen to our school? Might? What will probably happen? Huh? Yeah, hashtag persecution. Right? The enemy's not going to like that. But is everybody in the world going to like a bunch of high schools totally on fire for Christ, filled with this power, changing the world? Is everybody going to like that? Yeah, probably not. Right. 
I mean, just go watch Dead Poets Society with one English teacher trying to inspire kids just with literature. Yeah. I think we, a lot of people don't want to do this. This is why you don't have to. You're saved by grace. Do you have to do this stuff? No. The rich young ruler comes up, what must I do to be saved? Jesus gives him his answer. Sweet. And he says, okay, how about you sell all your stuff and come and follow me? Like, I'm God in the flesh right here on the planet. Come and follow me. We're going to have a killer time. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I think I'll go back to, to my stuff. And we don't know if he sells his stuff and then joins the bandwagon. We don't know. But the, the sense is that he just walks away. Does Jesus go, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. How about sell half your stuff? Or hang out with your stuff for three months and then come with me. Does he beg him to stay? Like, you don't want to stay with him? Fine, see it. Peace out. We're going this way. You can go that way if you want. Jesus isn't being mean. It's just, if you don't want to follow him, do you have to? No. You're just going to, what? <laughs> that dude missed out on becoming part of this. He went and hung out with his stuff. I'd be like, we're going to watch it, but connect the dots. That's Bilbo hanging out with his doilies in his hobbit hole. Or running out the door trying to catch up with him because he would have missed out on being a hero and helping save Middle Earth and helping kill a dragon and reclaim treasure. Peter publicly healed a paralyzed man named Aeneas in the town of Lydia with sad results. Only a few people believed in Jesus and they ran Peter and Aeneas out of town. True or false? False. Yeah, why is it false? What happened? Acts chapter 9. This is kind of why we got to read this stuff, guys. Acts chapter 9. What happens in Acts chapter 9? Verse 30, 32 to 35. Fun stuff. Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place. He came down to visit the believers in the town of Lydia. Uh, Lydda. There he met a man named Aeneas who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Peter, Peter got a whole group together with a lot of praise and worship songs and then a huge prayer time with a bunch of people. Is that what he did? This is what's amazing to me. What did Peter do? Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. That's all I did. Like, Jesus heals you and then the dude did what? Gets up. Now, why did Peter do it like that? Because he saw what? Jesus do it like that. Isn't that awesome? That'd be so fun. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around and they turned to the Lord. I had someone in the, yesterday, and it was a completely, wonderfully fine, appropriate question. But they're like, yeah, but we don't need the signs and wonders and power gifts anymore. Well, do we? Do we need them? No. no. You need grace to save you from heaven. We don't need them, but uh, could they be helpful? A little bit. Yeah, I, one dude gets healed, and the entire town gets saved. The entire town with one healing. That's pretty sweet. Cool. Not coming up there. 
And then you gotta love Tabitha, right? The next one. Um, call her Dorcas, right? Uh, but how about this? Uh, Peter brought a woman named Dorcas back from the dead who had a great reputation for helping the poor and making cool clothes. She probably worked at Patagonia. Or, yeah? Probably. She dies, and what do they do? Bring her back so that she can be some huge evangelist? No, so she can what? Make cool clothes. Anything wrong with having cool clothes? No. No. I love how they brought a fashion designer back from the dead. That's <laughs> just awesome to me. All right, we think it has to be like, oh, this person over here because they're gonna do this and this and this. How about the fashion designer? Because she makes awesome clothes and she helps out the poor. Yeah? Why did Peter bring a woman back from the dead? Because he saw what? He saw Jesus do it. And this is where I'll, I'll push in a, a little bit, even though it might feel like a lot right now. But when was the last time you prayed for someone to come back from the dead? It's okay. Could that be fair homework now after Bible class studying that verse? Is that what disciples do? Is it? But not a rhetorical question. Yes or no? Do, do disciples raise people from the dead? Yeah. Paul has done it and Peter has done it. Did Jesus tell the disciples to do it? He said, go what? Heal the sick and raise the dead. Right? How are we doing? That's what he told the disciples to do, and we saw disciples do it, and disciples are supposed to be like their teacher. Could that be homework today? <coughs> yeah? All right. Thoughts, questions, comments? our nice second period response quiet introspective and thoughtful uh, I've been told through my observations that I'm way too soft on you guys I let you off the hook instead of making you respond or calling on you it's against my philosophy of education to call on a student so I'm not going to but there's a, there's a sense of maybe having you write something down then right now, because I really can't tell what you're thinking, and you're not telling me what you're thinking. What's going on? Is this all redundant, and you learned all this in church, Sunday school? Or what are we thinking? Should we take a few minutes to write? You can send me a little message? We can do that. All right, we'll do that. That's fine. Here we go. I want your name on it. Sometimes I go anonymous, but I want your name. What's it like being told about authentic discipleship? What's it like being told that your homework could be to go pray for resurrection tonight? Find something dead and pray for resurrection tonight. Right? What's that like? Tell me what you're thinking. Are you excited? Are you overwhelmed? Are you confused? Are you frustrated? Am I crazy? I already know I'm crazy, but you can tell me that I'm crazy. That's fine. Mr. D, you're crazy. Um, you're welcome to ask me whether or not this is theologically accurate, but what am I, what am I using? 
all I'm using is scripture this whole time. We're just looking at the Bible. Alright. So let's just take a thought. And then we'll keep going. But I, I think I got the nudge to just pause. Write it down. Okay, so since we have talked about coincidences in this class, and I was praying for insight and wisdom today, I got to interrupt your musings, but I literally just sat down and flipped this open to the Book of Acts. <laughs> and uh, Paul is talking to the Jews about how Jesus was raised from the dead, and the comment from the Pharisees is right here, nobody can be raised from the dead, that's ridiculous. <laughs> So there you go. Of course, that was coincidence, right? Be a zealot. A zealot. Oh no, the Sadducees didn't believe in the, the Sadducees. What? I love, someone needs to make the movie of Lazarus, the story of Lazarus. And what was his testimony like after he raised Jesus from the dead? Because just so you're aware, in case you missed the verse, in case you, but check the verse out later. Lazarus is walking around with Jesus, preaching the gospel, and there's a verse that says, and then they decided to kill Lazarus and Jesus. <laughs> it's just crazy, right? Like, he must have had a killer testimony. I'm bummed that Judas didn't stick around. Imagine having that testimony. Yeah, I was the guy who betrayed him, and then he died for me and forgave me. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I don't know. We have to maybe start doing more resurrections and start asking people. I don't know, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? That'd be, talk about stealing it back. 
raise someone from the dead back from hell and then save them, send them to heaven. That'd be cool. That'd be awesome. See, that. Yeah, raise someone who's not a Christian and bring them back. Now, see. See, that's awesome. Now we're thinking. That's cool. You can be the first one to do it. And a part of me is like, oh, but that sounds crazy. But actually, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Won't happen unless we try. Like, let's, uh, let's bring it back now. Hold on to your card. Put your name on your card. I'll collect them later. Maybe you can add some things for the rest of class. But there's something to be said for, I hope I raise my children so that they pray for resurrection of the dead. In case I die someday, they can do what? Pray for me to come back. Well, then maybe they won't, right? Like, so maybe they won't, right? Does that make sense? Like, so maybe they'll just let me stay in heaven. And that's why we need to learn how to, what did Jesus say? He only did what? What the Father told him to do. So he only did what the Father told him to do. So if I can get my kids to listen to God's voice, then if I die, they can say, hey, God, should we raise him back from the dead? And if God says yes, then what can my kids do? Pray for me. I hope that I hope my students will think this way. I would love my students to learn how to pray for resurrection of the dead in case I die right here. What can you guys do? Call 911 and then what? Yeah, pray for me while the ambulance is coming. Get here. I come back from the dead. The ambulance turns around and goes picks up somebody else. Right? Yeah, you had a little chance to write. Does anybody want to share what they wrote or no? More personal for Mr. D. Yeah. That, thank you. Again, Max, let's give it up right there. That's why we're moving into the testing the spirits thing, right? It's hard if we pray for the dead and then they don't come back, right? And then at the same time, I don't know, I just kind of feel like a disconnect between the miracles within the Bible and then like what we see in our daily lives. Yeah. I know it's kind of like, not cliche, but it's, it's almost like an excuse, like you don't see it. For, for you guys, I've heard of it more recently. Oh, a couple of years ago, and, and actually last year, and there's people getting raised from the dead in Africa, and there's been one account, I think, in California, and people coming back. There's people in, in uh, New Hampshire and New England, and they're the resurrection team. They have little business cards. And if you'd like to be prayed for, you can call them, and they'll come and pray for you. Does it happen every time? See, here's the key. This is the key to this. When Peter... Jesus says, hey, feed them. And they're like, uh, uh. He's like, fine, I'll do it. And he just does it. Hey, there's a big storm. He's just going to walk past the boat. <laughs> He's going to walk past the boat. Why? Because they should be able to do what? Calm it on their own. And then they don't. So he comes over. He's like, okay, fine. Calms the storm for them. He's trying to get them to what? To do it. Does that make sense? And so I get the uncomfortability, Max. Like, believe me. I think that's one of the reasons why God still has me here is because I, I, I went here. Like, I totally get it. <laughs> really do. I hadn't seen stuff until I started changing my worldview, repenting on how I saw, saw things, and then pursuing it. 
1 Corinthians 13 says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. It says to go for it, desire it. Seek ye first the kingdom. So is that the first thing that we're seeking? I think a lot of us don't seek it, right? We like it, we talk about it, we appreciate it. But do we really like that's what we're looking for in our life? I wasn't. I had to totally, like, I was not seeking first the kingdom. The kingdom is heaven, which means we're trying to get heaven here. No dead people in heaven. No sick people in heaven. No demon, demonized people in heaven. No poor people in heaven. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to start working on it. But I think the other thing that we miss out on is your kingdom identity. Can you start trying to behave how you would when you're in heaven? Now. Oh. Now we're talking. See what's going on there? And that's what he's trying to get these guys to do. But yeah, I, your original question, yeah, it's awkward. So here's the key, right? Here's the key. This is why I eagerly now read. It's so fun. Like, I, I want to do my devos now. Because I'm reading the Gospels. Like, So how did Jesus do it without offending everybody? How did Jesus do it so he was sensitive to people? Right? I was thinking... Uh, I went to the Eggler's funeral and I really wanted to pray for my student to come back from the dead. Well, is that my right? To just walk up and pray for him? I have a divine mandate to raise the dead, but also I have a divine mandate to love. And actually it's supposed to, which one is first? Love. Love is not rude. Love is kind. Does that make sense? Like, it, it's not self-seeking. Oh, okay. So then I need to ask God if I'm supposed to do this first. And I got the nudge that actually, no, I wasn't supposed to. I'm a, I was allowed to pray for it, but not go up to the casket and do it. Does that make sense? Because I wanted to honor the parents. I never asked Matt if he wanted me to do that. I wish I had. Like, hey, if you die, can I pray for resurrection? See how different that is? Hey, mom and dad, do you mind if I pray for resurrection for your kid? I got to love and honor first. We often miss that. But see, now, ready, Max? If you were to find a way to be loving and honoring in all of these situations, would that be more comfortable? Maybe? Yeah. So if you can not be rude, if you can be loving, if you can honor people first, 1 Corinthians 13, and then move into this stuff, well, there we go. Yeah? I've had lots of people say they don't want me to pray for them. I'm like, oh, okay, I won't. That's no big deal. I don't have to pray for you, right? Uh, so we ask people. We're gentle. We're loving. We're respectful. We're honoring. Um, this summer, I could share with you guys, uh, but I hadn't seen a lot of this stuff, and I teach it. So I'm like, oh, crud, i got to figure something out. So I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to see someone come back from the dead unless I start practicing. i got to start practicing. i got to do it. And I'd love to have it happen before I die. Not no. So this summer... I was driving down the road with little my four-year-old Olivia in the back, and we saw a dead squirrel. I love squirrels. There was a dead squirrel in downtown Wheaton. So we pulled over to the side of the road. And uh, I was just getting it out of the road so it wouldn't get run over all the time. So I you know, put a bag over my hand and grabbed the tail and put it on the grass. And Olivia's standing there. She's like, it's just so sad. She's like, I love squirrels. And I'm like, she's like, Papa, why do squirrels have to die? I'm like, I don't know. It stinks. And I'm having a little Francis St. Francis of Assisi moment <laughs> preaching to the animals and stuff. But then I'm like, you know what? This squirrel doesn't have to die. It did, but I, I teach this. Why don't I do it? So, 
I asked Livy, I'm like, Livy, can we pray for it to come back from the dead? She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. And so did me and my four-year-old pray for the squirrel to come back from the dead. Did it? No. <laughs> like, no. Wouldn't that be cool, though? But here, would it, would it have happened if we hadn't tried? Probably not. But is it a chance for it to happen if we did try? Yeah. And guess what I'm doing right now? I'm practicing. I'm practicing. What do you do in soccer? And how do you get better? There you go. Guess what I'm doing? I'm practicing resurrection. The only way I'm going to get better is to what? The same with walking on water. On my sailing trips, we all go to the back of the boat. We step off the boat. <laughs> get a nice swim. <laughs> all right, but someday, wouldn't it be cool? The only way it's going to happen is if we what? Practice, right? Now, can I make someone come back from the dead? No. no. Can Paul make someone come back from the dead? No. But can we believe and from our identity in Christ, <laughs> lean into it and practice it? Yeah, and did these guys get better and better and better at it? Yeah, that's the premise of my discipleship class next semester. It's one thing to talk about all this stuff. It's another to do what? It's what we're going to do on block days. <laughs> we're going to go practice. We're going to go do stuff. See what happens. Right? But the thing that I said before in this class, let's say you did it a hundred times and nothing happened. You're going to definitely learn how to do it lovingly. I can guarantee you. <laughs> let's say you did it 200 times. How about once a day for an entire year? How many times would that be? 365. That's only one year. That's only one year. They did it for three. But imagine just for one year, every day, you prayed for something miraculous to happen. And then on 366, someone, like a squirrel, got up and ran away. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> like it had tire marks on it. <laughs> right? Or you prayed for someone, and they got a new eye. <laughs> like what? What? Oh, would that be would that be worth 365 days of it not happening? Yeah, it w I think it would. You don't have to, but I think it would. So part of it was like, I'm just gonna keep going. I'm just gonna keep going and going and going until it happens. But that's what happened with my adventure trips with this. It's not like on the story I'll tell you later with Kipper Wagner when we we prayed for his arm and it straightened out and was healed right there in front of us. It's not like we hadn't done that for 10 years. That was like the 11th trip. We'd been doing praying for that stuff. It just wasn't happening, but we just weren't going to give up. And we would just take whatever we got. Yay, yay. And then all of a sudden, we're like, ah, what the heck? You know, we're all dancing around the boat. Like, it was so cool that it happened. We're like, ah! I mean, the dude has x-rays before and after. The doctor canceled the surgery. That was so, it was totally worth it. All those trips and all that seeking was totally worth that one thing, let alone all the others that have happened since then. Right? I mean, have I told you about my daughter praying for me with my peanut allergy? No? Yes or no? I've heard it from like past classes. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy stuff where I, I'm, I'm going to the allergist for two or three weeks. And every time I eat something with peanuts, I, it started out with itchy hands, and then it was like swollen rash, and then it was like under my armpits and like all over, and then down here, and then the tingly tongue. So I went back again. He's like, oh, you got the tingly tongue and the sore throat thing. He hands me an EpiPen. It's like, your next one, make sure you're ready. Have it on you all the time. So I have a legitimate peanut allergy. Like I got the little testy thing and everything, right? 
So I'm sitting there and we prayed for someone who had a banana allergy. Never knew that existed. But we prayed for someone who had a banana allergy and they sent me a picture of they had eaten seven bananas later that day. We're like, yay, go Jesus. And they love bananas still, which is great. Right? And so I was telling my kids that story and Anna, who's six, goes, well, dad, why don't we pray for your peanut allergy? I'm like, why don't we do that? I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, oh no. What are you? So ready? Here it is. It's that moment of like, I, what if they pray for me? It doesn't work. Then I'm going to ruin my kids for life, you know, because then they're going to think that it doesn't work. Or we do it and I have my EpiPen in my pocket and we figure this out. We take it a step at a time. And so Anna put her hand on my head and prayed for me, her sweet little Anna. It was like this. Jesus, take the peanut allergy away. Like, but I heard a little nudge and a little voice saying, go eat some almonds. And I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, no. <laughs> so now I have to decide, do I obey the voice and maybe risk anaphylactic shock and going to the ER or go eat some almonds and maybe I'm healed because my daughter prayed for me. I go in the kitchen. I grab almonds and peanuts and cashews. I just grabbed a handful. I put them in my mouth. I'm crunching with my EpiPen in my pocket. Oh my gosh, I eat peanuts now and I eat peanut butter jelly sandwiches. It's great. It instantly went away. Now, I've prayed for other things. Like my son has crazy sinus problems and allergy problems. We pray for him. Did it go away there? No. Okay. We're practicing. We're figuring it out. We can't control God. Is that helpful? Yeah. And I think what I had to overcome was the fear. That's why I love that. That's why that song has, what, 35 million views? We're, we're so afraid of either offending people, which I think we should be. We don't want to. There's already been so much offense, right? I think we should have a legitimate fear of being rude and offensive. Jesus wasn't rude and offensive to the people he was healing. One time he heals a deaf guy in front of everybody. The other time he takes them away from the crowd. One time he raises someone from the dead with a crowd. The other time he kicks everybody out of the house, just mom and dad upstairs. It's, it's love. You've got to find the right moment. Is that helpful? That's actually our lesson for tomorrow. It's the testing the spirits lesson. And we're going to talk through how do we work this stuff out. If we're going to do it, how do we work it out? So. Thanks for the question. Thoughts on that? How are we doing? I just think if I can step into that a little further, I just think we haven't been invited into practicing and we haven't been given a way to do it that's healthy and safe and loving, right? And it's not anything, I think for most of you, this isn't anything new, really. You've read the Bible. You've studied this stuff. You've heard a lot of these verses before. It's just really stepping into it or finding a methodology that's safe and healthy and honoring. I don't think we've been taught a lot of that. We good? Let's look at a few more of the questions here. I think they help us focus on this. Paul was the only apostle called to the Gentiles. All the others on the Jews. True or false? False. I thought that Paul was the only one he focuses on the Gentiles, but Peter went to Cornelius. Like, there's plenty of everybody's like, it's all for everybody, not just Jews anymore. The author writes that in Iconium, God uses miraculous signs and wonders to prove that the message of the gospel be preached by Paul and Barnabas was true. Now, I don't like the word prove, as you guys know, I'm biased, but what does the Bible say? 
True, true. I think it's interesting. Do we need the signs and wonders and miracles? No. But do they help validate the message? Yeah. So ready? I've had so many people tell me, yeah, but Mr. D, God gave them the signs and wonders back then to validate the message. We don't need it anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to validate the message with signs, wonders, and miracles today to half the atheists in our country? Come on, wouldn't it? Or even a bunch of the Christians who are on the fence. No, Jesus is really real. He still does this stuff. Wouldn't that be helpful? So I think it's interesting. We don't want to use that verse to say it was just for back then. We use that verse to say that's the model for all of us. That's why we have signs and wonders and miracles. To set people free and also validate the message. Right? Let's talk about this. I think I did. Did I do this with the vacuum cleaner with you guys? One of my favorite pastors says, imagine a vacuum cleaner salesman comes to your house and he says, out in the car, I've got this vacuum cleaner. Did I do this one for you guys yet? Yeah? It's got superpower suction and it, like, it'll vacuum up. You put it on the floor. You just need to put it in the middle of the floor and it sucks all the stuff to it. Like It's amazing. right? It's only $800, but on life, lifetime guarantee. You, and like, he wants, he wants you to buy it. What would some of you want? You'd want the vacuum. Awesome. What would some of you also want? Huh? Yeah, you'd want the 800 bucks to buy it. Anybody? I want to see it. I'm like, really? You've got one of those? Bring it in the house and let me see it. And then he turns it on and it doesn't do it. What would you do? You'd trash it, which I think is the fear. Does that make sense? Like, that's what we're afraid of is that we're going to pray and that it's not going to happen. But what happens when we bring the vacuum in the house and it really does that? Yeah, yeah, you get to, you get a new vacuum right there. So I think that's what we're trying to say is can we pursue this? It'd be like coming up to a Jedi saying I've got a, a saber made of light that can cut through anything. And they're like, they pull it out and it's the one they got at Disneyland versus the one they got from Luke <laughs> that really is made of light and can cut through anything. These guys preached the gospel of the kingdom, that it was real and that Jesus was really back from the dead. And then they used miracles, signs, and wonders to validate the message. Can't we do the same thing? Wouldn't that be cool to start doing the same thing to figure that out? Yeah. Here's the key. If we don't see the same thing, which must many of us are living with, that's why we have a verse like Hebrews. Faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certitude of what? Oh, come on. we got to end class with this one. Yeah, the stuff that we don't see. So even if you don't see it, do you still what? I hope so. That's why you guys are here. You haven't seen a lot of it, and you still believe it. Jesus says you're blessed. Thomas is like, I ain't going to believe it till I see it. Jesus walks through a wall into the room and shows him the scars. And Thomas is like, Bruh! he doesn't condemn Thomas for his skeptic attitude. He actually blesses Thomas with what? Evidence. Then he also says, blessed are those who believe who don't see. Awesome. That doesn't mean we don't have to see. It just means you guys are blessed since you haven't seen a lot and you still believe. High five. Come on. High five. Rock the house. You're awesome. But wouldn't it be cool to start seeing stuff? Yeah, there we go. Right? Huh? How about this? Um, let me take the test back today.
And I think we'll just kind of wrap it up with a test. Does that work? And we'll, we'll just step into something else tomorrow. I need the note cards. I'm going to come around and collect the note cards. Thank you. You want us to put the test on the back table? Yeah, someone wants to help collect tests. See Helpful today? Because yes. yesterday I walked in and he's like, I Let's forgot to give you part of your test last week. Take it now. Did you just say Jerry's Superman flying without gravity? Yeah. Uh, huh? Well, I, don't I was going to kind of like okay. talk about like why it's like, You basically said the points because it's like skepticism. Yeah. If it does, if it doesn't work, then you're just disappointed. And then like, one point that I thought of was like, if it does work, what, what do we do? do? I know, right? I see. Can you almost see why God's not allowing it to happen quite yet here? I don't think we're really ready. I yeah. think it would freak us all that's out. A, that's a fair point. But I, I think for many of us, we just need to learn how, the more we get to know how Jesus handles stuff, the ready, more ready we will be. But I think it's like, let's just, let's just start heading that direction and we'll figure it out as we go. As long as we're loving, it's going to work out okay. I just kind of thought of this when you just said I raised you back in the day, and I'm like, okay, um, glad you're back. Here's, yeah. um, I need to go home now. Yeah, I know. Like, right, do my homework. Rethink everything. Yeah, I think that's part of it is, is if we brought someone back from the dead, what would we do with that? How would we handle this in school? What would we do with the news as they come and talk, right? Like, woof. And, and if you, that's why we're reading the book of Acts. They had to deal with everybody kind of attacking them over these issues, right? Yeah. And they, they navigated it, but it was hard. I feel like the school would purposely keep it silent because of what everybody else would see, like the whole attack thing. You've got a lot of insight in your statement there because there has been really cool stuff happening here. But we don't really talk a lot about it, do we? Yeah. So there you go. And not much to the outside community. Exactly. So, so there you go, right? Yeah. And so maybe there's a wisdom in that on some level. Mm -hmm. But also, we don't want to hide our light under a bushel. Yeah. So there's a balance. All right. Thank See you. Yeah. Yep.